Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host as always, Daniel Levy, your co-host Shaq. We're going to be talking UFC Rotterdam, Volkov versus Struve. And man, UFC is finally back. Yeah, I mean, this is a good card. We got two uh, heavyweights on a little streak right now. We got Brian Barberina, Leon Edwards, Rustam, and Des Green, Boyan and Till, so it's a good card. And joining us to talk about Volkov versus Struve is 18-year-old Finau, the face of the NFC, the Junior Olympics gold medalist. I'm talking about Jamar Whitehead. Jamar, welcome back to Half the Battle. Thank you, man. Thank you for having me back. Oh, uh, the pleasure's all ours. So before we talk about Volkov versus Struve, man, the money fight just happened this weekend, Mayweather and McGregor. You know, a lot of people were saying shit like, you know, the cameraman could knock out McGregor. But I'll tell you what, for him to go out there and win the first three rounds, uh, he, he showed a good account for himself. Yeah, I mean, he, he fought well early, but... What happened, happened. You know, Floyd's the better boxer. Floyd's the more composed, experienced fighter, and uh, he did what he had to do. McGregor definitely represented MMA very well. He landed the most punches out of any any other boxer, and I think Floyd's last, like, four or five fights. So that alone is an accomplishment, landing more punches than Pacquiao. 111 punches in 10 rounds, that's really impressive. I'm happy with his performance, personally. I am as well, man. He won- he went out there, won the first three rounds. Now, whether you say that Floyd led him, that doesn't really matter, you know, because facts are facts. He went out there, won those first three, represented our sport well. He can live the fight another day, and hopefully we see him come out here, either get the winner of Tony Ferguson versus Kevin Lee, maybe even uh, Justin Gaethje, like Vic alluded to on our last episode. Yeah, I mean, all those fights are uh, fun fights, and, you know, you got Khabib in the picture, so... Uh... It's plenty of fights for him. Indeed. Well, you know what? It's been three weeks without UFC. And even with three weeks, we still went out there, cashed some bets. Henry Corrales plus 180 in Bellator, the no-glove touch in the McGregor fight. But now we're getting now we're getting back to our bread and butter, the UFC. And we got Rotterdam this weekend. And let's get right down to business because we got Rustam Habilov. He's minus 300. The comeback on Desmond Green is plus 250. Now... I'm not surprised by the line just because every single time that Rustam Habilov fights, he is that big of a favorite. But do you think this time he's going to come through again as he's been doing in all his past fights? Well, you know, initially when the line came out, I wanted nothing <clears throat> I wanted nothing to do with it because, you know, of Rustam's history of winning close decisions and Des Green's history of losing close decisions. I mean, you remember the Kurt Holobaw fight where he clearly won, but some way found a way to lose. And then the Andre Harrison fight... You know, he won that fight arguably as well, but he lost. And Rustam, he has that ability in these fights. Even though he kind of looks like shit, to be honest, he finds a way to pull him out 30-27 half the time. So, I mean, that's really why I didn't want anything to do with it. But then when I watched the tape, I went back and watched all of Rustam's fight from the Adriano Martins fight. And uh, it's very lackluster, man. All he throws is a right hand. We know he's got that wrestling, but... The reason why I'm taking the shot on Des Green is I don't think he's going to be able to bail himself out with the wrestling anymore. He gets in trouble on the feet in every fight. He even gets taken down in his fights. And when he gets on top, he just has that ability to drain guys and break them like Chris Wade or uh, Leandro Silva or um, Jason Sago. And I just don't think he's going to have that uh, wrestling advantage. I mean, he might have an advantage, but not a big advantage. Des Green's up. Mid-American Conference Champion, D1 wrestler. And um, hopefully we can just out-volume him on the feet slightly, make him look bad, make him look old, be a little faster. And um, plus 270, I, I felt like it was worth a shot. And it was just mainly due to me not being impressed with Rustam. His game's very limited. 
So, how many units do you have on Desmond Green? Uh, just one at plus 270, you know, 100 to win 270. And uh, hopefully it wins, man. Yeah, you know, it's very interesting because it's a tough proposition, a tough proposition to go out there and fade Rustam Havilov in Europe where we've seen him get front kicked in the face, knocked down, and he still wins 30-27. So it's kind of a scary thing. But when you look at a guy like Desmond Green, he's a gamer and he knows how to win these close decisions as well. I know he's been on the wrong end of a couple, but, you know, that was at featherweight. He was cutting too much weight. He almost looked sick. I feel like at 55, he's really found his home. That southpaw style is going to give uh, Rustam a lot of problems, as you saw in the Adriano Martins fight. I also think that Dez has slightly more volume than Rustam. I know Dez has been criticized for his lack of volume in the past, but if there's anyone that has less volume than him, it is Rustam Havilov. Now, as you know, I respect every single Russian warrior. They're all unbelievable. They have so much heart. They have so much pride. They come to fight every single time, but I actually think this is a bad matchup for Rustam. I think his inactivity is, is, is what's going to cost him the decision here. And uh, I'm going to take the plus 270 on Desmond Green as well. I put one unit on it just because, look, we can drop this guy, and there's a chance one judge still scores at 30-27 for him. But that being said, I do think we go out there and outwork him. So for that reason, I put one unit on Desmond Green at plus 270. Now, Jamar, I got to know, man, you going with the Sambo World Champion, Rustam Habilov, or you got Desmond Green in his second UFC appearance? Hands down, I have Desmond Green. The one Rustam I agree with uh, with Shaq, he's not very, he's not very uh, entertaining when he fights, honestly. Very boring. He just looks to lay and pray. I don't like fighters like that, nor does most of MMA fans that don't know anything about the sport. They don't want to see somebody laying on somebody the entire time. They want to see leather thrown. Des Green might do. He might bring that, but Kabilov, we've already seen. He's going to throw one punch and then try to move the rest of the time. Now, next up, here, let's just keep these bets rolling, man, because we got... Darren Tilly's minus 185. The comeback on Boyan Velichkovic is plus 160. And, uh, man, you know, Darren Till was actually minus 240 a couple days ago for this one, Shaq. Yeah, I mean, Till, you know, when he fought Ayari on the, what was it, the Sweden card? You know. Glasgow. Glasgow card. Um, you know, I was already having questions about him then. I mean, the Dolby fight exposed him a bit, in my opinion. When it got rough, he completely quit. And, you know, against a guy like Ayari, who's a low-level UFC fighter at best, who was charging in so he could easily just counter him with that left, now he's fighting a southpaw with the same exact weapons as him, who's more well-rounded, who likes to clinch you up against that uh, fence, tie you up, get takedowns. I mean, we're talking about a guy that took Graves down. I know he lost to Sultan Aliyev, but Sultan Aliyev's an eight-time Sambo world champion. And I know this guy's fights are close back and forth. I mean, but he's fought way tougher competition. I mean, we're talking about Alessio, Graves, Sultan Ali, and Musoke versus a guy that fought Wendell Oliveira, not in the UFC, Dalby, not in the UFC, and Ayari, who's barely hanging on in the <laughs> UFC. So, I mean, I feel like these guys had some... I mean, everyone in the UFC is tough, but I feel like he he's had some favorable matchups, and I don't think this is going to be a favorable matchup for him. I don't think the straight left is going to be that big of a weapon. It's southpaw versus southpaw, and I think Boyan can fucking just 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 frustrate him. He's not going to have his way here. The counters are not going to be as open as they are in all his other fights. I think Boyan's going to frustrate him and definitely win that wrestling battle and win us a 29-28 decision. I got two units on it, actually. Uh, one at 165 and one at plus 180. And Boyan's that type of guy that even when it looks like he's down, he still finds a, uh, a, like the Sultan Aliyah fight. 
he arguably lost every round, but he got he one judge scored it for him. The Alessio fight, he got a 30-27. So he's one of those type of guys. And y'all know I love point fighters. And I feel like we're more efficient. We got the better cardio and the more aspects to our game. A hundred percent. I'm actually with you on this one, too. You know, it's funny because Darren Tilly has so much hype. He's very entertaining to watch. You know, he has that southpaw stance. You know, he kind of thinks he's McGregor a little bit. He only throws two strikes, the straight left and the left kick. You know, occasionally he'll throw a right knee. You know, I am talking a little bit of shit when I say he only has two strikes. He is a he is an undefeated UFC fighter. Let's get let's make no mistake about it. But the bottom line here is that I think Boyan Velichkovich can game plan around those left side shots, man. Boyan is an expert with the game plans, and I think that he's one of these guys that, you know, if you watch him on the regional scene, you watch him on the Ultimate Fighter, that's not the guy we see today. Kind of like Neil Magny. You remember when Neil Magny was fighting, you know, Mike Ricci and Seth Bozinski, and you're like, man, this it's not going to pan out for this guy in the UFC. Then all of a sudden, he starts putting it together. He starts getting big-name wins over guys like Kelvin Gastelum, guys like Hector Lombard, so guys like Johnny Hendricks. So I would really think that Boyan Velichkovich is one of those guys like Neil Magny, where you might not see the potential right away in his earlier fights but as you watch every single fight his career progression he gets better every single time he adds more elements to his game he's a thinking man's fighter he game plans and he doesn't have to go out there and get into a brawl with you you know he doesn't have to knock you out to win the fight he can go out there and outpoint you which is a quality i really like when i'm betting on someone and the way i think he's gonna beat till here is i think he's gonna simply outwork him you know he's gonna know how to circle to the right side you know to avoid those left side shots and as you mentioned southpaw by southpaw versus southpaw the leg kicks are gonna be open and one thing i guarantee he will take down darren till in this fight because you know ayari got deep on an entry you know till grabbed the fence hey you get one fence grab the ref warns you you're allowed to grab the fence no big deal i guarantee you boyan velichkovich will take down darren till another thing boyan took down mike graves one does not simply take down Mike Graves. And in that fight, the reason it was a draw, so the first round Boyan won, the third round Boyan won, the second round they gave a 10-8 to Mike Graves because, you know, he had his back the whole time. That was around the time when they first started implementing, you know, 10-8s regularly. So people were just giving out 10-8s left and right like it was no one's business. But you and I watched that fight. That shit was no 10-8. Mike Graves, yes, he had his back the entire round, but he didn't do any damage with it. That's a 10-9 in my book, and that's a 29-28 Boyan Velichkovich. Then you watch his fight with Sultan Aliyev. On paper, it's like, oh, yeah, he lost to Sultan. You go watch that fight. Dude, he looked improved compared to the Graves fight. He looked much better. He was in much better shape, and he was landing a bunch of hard leg kicks. He just gave out. He gave up takedowns at the wrong time, which is something that I don't like. However, when you're going up against a-time Samba world champion, shit like that's going to happen. Till gasses out around the second round of every single fight he's in. Boyan doesn't. Boyan trains in Colorado in the elevation. I think he's going to take over. I think he's going to outwork Darren Till. I have two units on Boyan Velichkovic at plus 180. I don't mean to keep bringing it up, but the fact that Bo- Boyan took down Mike Graves, Mike Graves is one of my coaches. I've never, ca- I've never come close to even taking him down at all. I, granted, there's a big size difference, but I've seen guys his size that I've trained with, NFC champions, UFC fighters, legacy fighters, all these guys, none of them really even stand a chance against him from what I've seen. And Boyan went to a decision with him, and if you're... If, if what you say is true about him winning rounds one and three, Darren Till really stands no chance. Like he's a wannabe Conor McGregor first, but he's too stiff. One, he he only hits with two, with with the left side of his body, and like Daniel said earlier, two strikes, a left straight, and a left roundhouse is what it seemed to me. 
I'm not a fan of him personally. I think he's a little overhyped. I think the big factor in this game is going to in this fight's going to be the uh the wrestling aspect, of course. Once again, if Bojan can if can grapple with Mike Graves, Darren Till doesn't stand a chance. And we all we all everyone pretty much knows Englishmen don't really have that good of grappling or good wrestling in particular. Darren Till's from England, where his striking is really good, like most English fighters, I can guarantee he's lacking in the in the grappling department. And it's gonna show when he fights Bojan. I'm with you hundred percent. Now we gotta move on to the main card, and man, shit's about to get real because we got Leon Edwards, he's minus two seventy, the comeback on Brian Barberena is plus two thirty, and you know, Brian Barberena is one of these guys that's consistently counted out, and man, he's able to go out there and get these upsets, but one trend I've noticed, these guys that he's been beating are all front runners. You know, Sage Northcutt, Warley Alves. What do those guys have in common? They come out super hard that first round, and I'm not even gonna say that shit about Sage. <laughs> With Sage, I don't even think he's UFC caliber, but look, Warley Alves is a front runner. You and I can both agree on that. And Brian Barberena was able to expose him because if you start to gas out in that second or third round against Barberena, he's one of those guys that's going to put put it on you. He's the you know prototypical MMA lab guy where they're just very tough workman like fighters, and he has cashed as an underdog many times. The thing here is that Leon doesn't strike me as the kind of guy that's going to gas in the third round. If anything, Leon's a guy that picks it up in that third round. You watch that fight against Tumenov where he went out there and he choked him out. You watch that fight with Vicente Luque where it was one-to-one to, one to one going into the third round, and Leon had to make a decision. Hey, do I want to win this fight, or do I want to lose another decision like I did to Kamaru Usman? He made that decision. He bit down. He went out there. He beat Vicente Luque. I don't think Leon's going to gas. Now, I also don't think that Leon's going to have much success taking down Barbarana because, as you know, Barbarana's a really tough dude to take down. You saw that fight with Colby Covington. His get-up game was on point. He kept getting up you know, after almost every takedown, and he didn't tire out in the third round. Like Most dudes, when they go with Colby Covington, they cannot keep up that pace, and Barbarana was fine all three rounds. The thing with Leon is I believe this fight is going to be contested on the feet, where I do think that Leon is the sharper, more precise, more surgical striker. I think he's going to be able to hand fight. He's going to be able to touch and go. And I think he's going to pick apart Brian Barberena to a 29-28 unanimous decision. I think the line could be a little bit closer. I understand people taking the shot because it, it should be closer. But at the end of the day, my pick is Leon Rocky Edwards. Yeah, it's a tough fight. <clears throat> I definitely don't agree with the line. I mean, I watch Leon, and, you know, a lot of people before this were saying he's got such a advantage on the feet, but necessary. I really don't think so. I mean, I think he's the better striker. Barbarina gets touched up in every single fight early. The Ellenberger fight, the Lepre fight, the Northcutt fight, the Worley fight. He's a workman. He's an MMA lab fighter. They come out, they get touched up a little bit, but as the fight progresses on, that's when they pick it up. And, you know, this guy, Leon, his win against Tumenov was very impressive, but like you said, he used wrestling for that fight, and I just don't think he's going to have, I don't think he's going to take Barbarina down. I think he might once or twice, but I think Barbarina will pop right back up. Like you said, we saw his get-up game. And Leon's hands aren't even, I mean, I watched him fight uh, Vicente Luque, and he was just throwing basic one-twos the whole time, and I just feel like those shots will roll off Barbarina. I think Barbarina will eat those up for lunch. This guy has an incredible chin, and he's got those intangibles. Not too many fighters have intangibles, that intangible to pick it up in that second and third round and just straight-up break, guys. And, I mean, you know, this guy has a reputation for being a shitty fighter or a sucky fighter. A lot of people say he sucks, but, I mean, you know, they said when he was plus 260 against Northcutt, he had no chance. It's an easy fight, and 
he beat his ass, and then Worley fight, he was like plus, I bet him at plus 400, he was like plus 500 on fight day, and we saw what happened in that fight, and we're talking about a guy, Worley Alves, who beat Kobe Covington, so, you know, I, I don't agree with the line, I'm not that high on Leon, I, I don't, I think he's got a hard left kick, I think he could outstrike him, but I think he could waste a lot of time, wasting a lot of energy trying to take him down, he's been a wrestler his last two fights, and I think Barbarina's going to come back in rounds two and three and win a split decision. Barbarina, he's one of those guys you can never doubt out. Once again, the Northcutt fight. I personally thought Northcutt was going to destroy him when I saw the uh, when I saw them at weigh-ins. I thought Barbarina looked like a out of shape. He had an out of shape dad bod, dad honestly. <laughs> but he defied the odds, went in there, and not only beat Northcutt, but he kind of destroyed him. Honestly, Northcutt had no chance against him. Northcutt, he can say that he was sick or whatever going into that fight. I call BS on that. I think Barbarana just just broke caught him. him. <laughs> yeah, broke him, honestly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think it, it'll be no different with Leon. Like I said, Barbarana's one of those guys you can never doubt out. And it's, I got him. I'm taking him for this fight against Leon, honestly. That's interesting. I see Jamar taking uh, you know, the, the workman over the technical striker. Hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. That's a good point. So the co-main event of the evening. Actually, it's not the co-main event, but we got Marion Renault. She's minus 380. She's taking up the newcomer, Talita de Oliveira. She's plus 260. Now, wasn't uh, Talita de Oliveira supposed to fight one of, one of your friends? Talita was actually supposed to fight um, Alexa Connors, who's fought for LFA many times. She's she's just she's a beast, man. She's Unfortunately, the fight didn't happen because Alexa had... Troubles making weight, I believe. But Talita's no slouch for sure. She's she's from Brazil. She's um, a jiu-jitsu girl, 4-1. Only loss was a decision. All of her wins have been finishes. And I, if I'm not mistaken, they've been finishes in the first round, but definitely by submission. So with that being said, Marion's no slouch either. This is a very interesting matchup in my opinion. I'm, I have Toledo winning. It, I think it'll end up going to the ground and she'll end up pulling off a submission. Just uh, my thoughts. So Jamar's going with the upset here. I like it. I like it. You know, what's interesting about this, you mentioned how Toledo, you know, most of her wins are by finish. And the same story goes from Mar- uh, Marion Renault because I believe all but one of her, of her wins are inside the distance. You know, she's a finisher too. But, you know, she's ran in a tough competition in the UFC. She was supposed to fight Jermaine Durandamy, the former... Featherweight champion, allegedly the former featherweight champion, right? No, but she was supposed to fight, you know, the former featherweight champion. Is this going to be the classic letdown spot, Shaq? Or do you think that Marion's going to go out there and handle business? I really can't say because I haven't looked into Toledo yet. But anytime Marion Renault is minus 380, I have to look into your opponent because, look, I think she's a great chicken all, but she's 40 years old. I mean, the miles are adding up. Um, her chin, I mean, let's, okay, for one, she got dropped by, she got she got lit up by Holly Holm, and she got dropped by Andrade, she pulled off a triangle, but I think when she gets hit really hard, I, I think she feels it, and you know, I haven't checked this chick out, but if this chick has some powerful hands and jiu-jitsu, I mean, I might have to look into it, because I think Renault lately, she went to draw with Betch Cohea, who, <clears throat> in my opinion, is one of the worst fighters at 135. No offense to Betch, but she beat Dudieva, who is losing an Invicta now. So, I mean, I really don't put too much stock in her latest wins, but uh, I'll just take Renault for now until I see Toledo. Yeah, you know, it's an interesting fight, man. Marion Renault, she's a tough chick, man. 40 years old, going out there, whooping ass. I really enjoy her as a fan. 
the line's obviously a bit crazy, so I wouldn't recommend playing that. And also, remember when we bet on Ashley Evan Smith to beat Renault, and it was oh, yeah. the most bullshit decision ever, and we still cashed well, it? See, live, I, we bet on Ashley Evan Smith, like, plus 165. Live, I thought we had no chance, but <clears throat> somehow we got the decision. But then when I rewatched it the other day, I mean, we arguably did win the last two rounds. We straight up out-volumed her. Renault, like, completely shut down. Uh was totally inactive and evan smith just out outlanded her so i mean it really wasn't that bad yeah no it, it's hard to call man i'm gonna go with renault but at the same time I, I highly recommend no one bets this fight either way i would like to see my my girl alexa connor's fight the winner of this fight as i i do believe toledo will win toledo and alexa were supposed to fight already let him run it back exactly so now the real co-main event of the evening we got the return of CR the Great, Baja Durzada. He's minus 145, and the comeback on the newcomer, Rob Wilkinson, is plus 125. Now, Rob Wilkinson is uh, what we like to refer to as a jobber. Someone that's being brought in to lose. Someone that's being brought in to make me look good. And I truly believe that this is one of those scenarios because, as you know, CR the Great, Baja Durzada. Yes, originally he's from Afghanistan, but, I mean, he resides in the Netherlands, man. That's why he's in the co-main event. This is like a dream come true for him to get the chance to fight at UFC Rotterdam, that's why he's in the co-main event. And, you know, initially he was supposed to fight Abu Azatar, you know, the guy that knocked out Jack Marshman. That was going to be a serious fight. But they needed a short-notice replacement. You know, they got, you know, the Australian workman. And Rob Wilkinson, look, he's a tough guy, but he's... Uh, he gets hit a lot. <laughs> he gets hit a lot. He also fails to get takedowns a lot. And, you know, I, I really do feel like this is like a Anton Zafir type situation here where, you know, he'll look good for two minutes and then he'll take a knee and quit. And the thing with CR is he doesn't always show up either. You know, he'll be losing fights to John Howard and stuff like that. But I do think on CR's best day... Man, he's got that one-hitter quitter, no doubt about that. You remember his UFC debut against Paulo Tiago, that little shovel punch. Had him uh, face first, ass up, and he was out for about five minutes straight. So CR, he's got that touch of death. We don't know how seriously he's been taking it. I mean, CR is one of these guys that he's got a lot of things going on outside of the cage, man. You know, he, he he's very well off. He can do whatever he wants, man. He's uh, the king of Afghanistan, you know what I'm saying? And uh, he's, he's like the prince of uh, the Netherlands, too, so... I got to go with CR, the great Baja Drizada. Yeah, you know, I watch Wilkinson's uh, fights on the local scene. Not very impressive. Gets hit a ton. Uh, he can grind a little bit, but against jobbers. Now, it just depends on what type of shape Sire's in. You know, he is moving up a weight class, so I do have questions about not his motivation, but if, you know, he was just being lazy, if he didn't want to cut the weight, because um, he's he's not a middleweight. Um I'm going to take Sayer in this one just because I'm not impressed with Wilkinson, but I would not be shocked in the slightest if Sayer was giving up easy takedowns or if the kid Wilkinson was actually really tough and could put it together for this. So I'm going to take Sayer, but uh, pass as far as a bet. Sayer is going to knock out Rob Wilkinson, <laughs> guaranteed. Rob Wilkinson is absolute garbage. I don't <laughs> care if he hears this interview or not. I'm not impressed with him one bit. You saw Sayer's first... Uh, UFC fight, when he, like you said, when he knocked out Paulo Tiago. I remember watching that. I was in amazement because at the time, Paulo Tiago was kind of the man, if you think about it. Oh, yeah. He was taking out a lot of people, finishing people, if I remember correctly. And Baja Drizada knocked him out within seconds. It was very impressive. Like, it's worth placing a bet. You know, having that, that one punch lights out power, that's impressive to me. 
it's it's really impressive when you're taking on a guy in Rob Wilkinson who's known for uh, I don't want to say he's known for looking for the door, but he's known for not being able to same the not not being able to push the same pace in the second and third round as he does in the first two minutes of the first. Let's just say that. That's gonna be Wilkinson's downfall and Baja Dezada's advantage, guaranteed. It's the main event of the evening. We got Alexander Volkov. He's minus 125. The comeback on Stefan Struve is plus 105. Now it's interesting because Volkov's used to being the taller fighter in all of his fights. He's six foot seven. You don't often see six foot seven heavyweights. But he's taking on a guy that's seven feet tall. Now the issue with Struve has always been, is he going to use his reach? Is he going to use his length? You know, on Struve's best day, he can knock out Stipe Miocic. On Struve's worst day, he's losing to Jared Rochal. So I really don't know, you know, which version of this man's going to show up. And I hate to say stuff like that because I feel like it discredits the opponent. And with Alexander Volkov, even though I've been very impressed with his current UFC run, he hasn't had that first UFC defeat yet. Everyone has to take that first UFC L. It does not matter who you are. Is this going to be that time? I'm not entirely sure. You know what? I'm actually going to go with Volkov. I've been impressed with his point fighting style. You know, he doesn't feel the need to go out there and slug. He's okay to win on the judges' scorecards. That's a very important quality. But in this fight, I think he's going to get back to his KOAs, kind of like he did against Mighty Mo in Bellator. And one thing I want to add about Volkov is he's come a long way. Remember when, uh, you know, when Czech Congo is grinding him out in Bellator and the dude can't even get up and you're like, this guy? And then he comes to the UFC against Tim Johnson, who's a very good grappler, and he's stuffing those takedowns. Most of them, you know, he did way better than he did in his Bellator days. That, to me, is the sign of improvement. He's a young heavyweight. He's come a long way. I think he's going to shine in the main event here. I mean, yeah, Volkov, at a young age, he had a lot of success. He was the Bellator heavyweight champ when he was, like, 25 years old. He absolutely destroyed Blago Ivanov and a vicious, a vicious, vicious beating. But the thing is, after that, like you said, he lost to Congo. He lost to Tony Johnson. And, I mean, I thought this guy was done. But, you know, he picked it back up on the local scene in Russia and got back to his old ways. Now, as far as Struve goes, or as far as both of these guys both of these guys go. They've made a career off fighting shorter guys, so the the approach is completely different, especially for Volkov in this one because now he's fighting a guy f four or five inches taller than him, and you know he's gonna actually have to come inside and you know throw big power bombs, which he's not used to. He's used to sitting back, throwing knees, throwing elbows, and you know beating guys up inside the clinch and stepping back out and circling off, and you know with Struve, man, Struve. Like you said, man, this guy lost to Rochal. He's beat, what, Big Nog, and, and he beat Stipe, but see, it was time for Stipe's first L, and it might be time for Volkov's, but I'm going to take Volkov, man. I just think uh, Volkov's got a lot of momentum. All the money's coming in on Struve uh, since the line opened, so, I mean, more people are on Struve than Volkov, and, you know, I just think he's going to catch him, man. I, we've seen we've seen when Stipe gets, I mean, not Stipe, but when uh, Stefan gets clipped really hard, what will happen? And we've seen... When Volkov got clipped hard by Tim Johnson, he bounced back like a champion and beat Tim Johnson's ass the next two rounds. So I'm going to take Volkov by first-round KO. Uh, first-round KO. All right, well, Jamar, I got to hear what you got to say about this one, man. Well, honestly, Stefan Struve has been one of my favorite heavyweights since I was very young, maybe 11 or 12. So I got to stay loyal, and I'm, I'm going to give my uh, – I'm going to say Stefan Struve's going to finish him. Actually, you have to realize, although when, when Stefan Struve gets clipped – he does get finished pretty often once he's rocked or whatever, but you have to also realize this is a guy who was on the verge of defeat against many people, came back, gave him a left hand or a right hand, and 
the, the, the entire fight just changed. When he fought Sean McCorkle, Sean McCorkle was lighting him up, and then... Christian Moorcraft. Yeah, both Moore, of them actually. Christian Moorcraft, yeah. Manzuelo, he was all. Was both got on top of him, and Moorcraft lit him up. Yeah. Pat Barry too. Just, all, just name yeah. all those guys. I mean, the list goes on. He's knocked out Chris Moore, Christian Moorcraft after Moorcraft was dropping bombs on Stefan. He he landed a good a good right hand or a good left hand, dropped him, and kept on following up. Uh, he did the same thing pretty much with Sean McCorkle. He's he. I mean, the list goes on about the people that he's he's beaten. Pat Barry by a triangle armbar. Which Pat Barry picked him up and slammed him, and and Stefan Struve just just stayed on him. Dave Herman he TKO'd him, TKO'd the current heavyweight champ, uh, Stipe. He's beaten Big Nog, submitted Lavar Johnson, no- knocked out Bigfoot with elbows. The list goes on. This guy he's very experienced. Although Volkov is also very experienced, you have to realize, in my opinion, Czech Congo is is not on the level of Stefan Struve. That's arguable, of course, and it's to each to each his own. But Volkov lost to Czech Congo. I think Stefan Struve would easily beat Czech Congo. Maybe it's because of the height, the size, something. But I think Stefan Struve would easily beat him. Yeah, with that being said, I think if Volkov tries to turn it up at any point, Stefan Struve will counter and, and finish the fight. If Volkov wants to try to point fight Stefan Struve, Stefan Struve is the taller man, and Volkov is used to being the taller man. So, I think Stefan Struve is still, the ball is still in his court at the end of the day. If it goes to the ground, that's interesting. That'll make an interesting fight if it goes to the ground. But on the feet, I think the size would, is just going to play such a big part, and I think Stefan Struve is going to take it. Knockout, submission, decision, what do you think? It all depends on how Volkov comes comes into the fight. I mean, at the end of the day, it's just going to be another green for Stefan Struve, though. All right, so that's, that's what the champ's predicting. Now we got to talk about these prelims. So... Man, you ready for this? You know T-Bout Gowdy got another shot in the UFC? So he's taking on Andrew Holbrook. Andrew Holbrook's minus 170. The comeback on T-Bout, the jobber Gowdy is plus 140. And it's interesting because with Holbrook, these are how his four UFC fights have gone down. He either gets knocked the fuck out in under 30 seconds or he wins a split decision. You know, and that's literally been the case. Against Gregor Gillespie and Neto BJJ, he got knocked out in under 30 seconds. Against Ramsey Nijem and Jake Matthews, he won a split decision. But I'll tell you what, when this kid scrambles, he is nasty in those scrambles. You know, you take him down, you think you're in a safe position. All of a sudden, he's uh, looking for your leg. He's looking for your knee. And Holbrook is a very scrambling guy. Now, with T-Bout Gowdy, I mean, <laughs> let's talk about the positive first. He throws heat. And that's about it. That's about all he's got. He throws heat. The guy's a quitter. The guy's a front runner. The guy's a jobber. The guy does not belong in the UFC. And, I mean, let's not even talk about all his losses. Let's talk about how he pulled out of his last fight the day of the fight. You know what I'm saying? When you're on a three-fight losing streak and you pull out the day of the fight, that just shows uh, your level of commitment to the sport. You know, I, I, And, you know, people can be like, oh, you don't know what he was going through and this and that. Bro, James Vick passed out three times in the sauna before his Glaco Franza fight. You think he even had to talk to the doctor and be like, you know what, I'm not, I'm not feeling well. No, 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 no. Real fighters step up no matter the condition. And, you know, T-Bow Gotti, he'd whoop my ass, but uh, I was about to say he's not a real fighter, but you know the deal here. As, as long as he doesn't knock out Holbrook in the first 30 seconds, hey, Holbrook might actually get his first knockout win. Don't be surprised, you know. Holbrook's got that Chris Lytle um, jiu-jitsu under his belt. He's training with those guys. It's just his chin that's the problem. Avoid getting knocked out, and Andrew Holbrook wins this fight all day. Yeah, you know, Holbrook, 
you know, T. Balgadi, like you said, he's a he's a what we like to refer to as a jobber. He will find his way out, as where Holbrook, if he can stay conscious, will do everything to stay in there. And like you said, he's got that Chris Lado jujitsu. You know, scramble with this guy at your own risk because this motherfucker can scramble like really good. So um, I'm gonna take Holbrook in this one. If the line was like minus one forty instead of one seventy, then you know I consider playing it. And, you know, this guy has been taking trips out to Thailand trying to work on his striking. And, you know, not to, I know he did get knocked out by uh, Neto BJJ, which was just a bad matchup for him. I mean, Neto early throws serious heat. And then, you know, the Gillespie fight, he got knocked out. But before the knockout, man, the two punches that he threw were the best punches I've ever seen him throw by a long stretch. Even though he got clipped, he had too much confidence in it. But maybe that's a good thing for this fight. Maybe... Maybe he comes out here and, you know, he, he, I know he got knocked out, but maybe he's got even more confidence and just chooses not to play with it so much more this time and, you know, initiate, initiates that grappling a little bit quicker. But I think he is making uh, improvements in his stand-up. And, I mean, Jake Matthews couldn't knock this guy out, and his chin was fine for that fight. I just think Gregor and uh, Neto BJJ are just on different levels at 155. So I got to take Holbrook. I would never pick T-Bout Gotti in a fight. I mean... Even though he throws heat, I mean, the guy, if you put him through any type of adversity, he will break. But, I mean, I do also do understand, you know, fading Holbrook because, hey, if you can catch this guy in the chin, you're going to knock him out. So, I understand both ways, but the pick is Holbrook. Definitely. And, I mean, there's no shame in losing to Gregor. I mean, Gregor is the guy that I have to emphasize this every time we talk about him. He wrestled in the finals with Jordan Burroughs. One doesn't simply wrestle in the finals against Jordan Burroughs, and that's all there is to say. That's the kind of athlete we're dealing with. His only losses are to two undefeated guys. So Yeah, that's all there is to say. Now, next up in the lightweight division, we got Merbeck Beckin Taisumov. He's minus 260. The comeback on Felipe Silva is plus 200. Now, Felipe Silva is no slouch. He comes to fight, and he finishes his fights. And if you get a little bit hurt, this guy's going to swarm you. He's huge for the weight class. But, man, there's something special about this Taisumov guy. When he hits you, you feel it. And, uh, man, the dude's in unbelievable shape. He's come a long way, a very heavy sprawl. The only issue is that Tysonov he hasn't fought in a very long time. Luckily for him, his opponent hasn't fought in over a year as well. So you know the layoff shouldn't be too big of an issue. It's good to see Tysonov back in there. I think he's gonna get back to his winning ways. I say get back to his winning ways. He's on a win streak, but bottom line is I think he's gonna get another in the win column, and uh, I think he's gonna beat Felipe Silva. The reason I'm not rushing to the window to bet it is because look, Felipe's no slouch, man. You saw that body shot he landed against Shane Campbell. You saw the way he na- he knocked out Anton Kuivanen on the regional scene. Felipe comes to fight. Felipe's big for the weight class. Felipe swarms. I think Tysonov is uh gonna catch him at some point, or it could be a three round war. No clue. However, I will pick Tysonov to win the fight. Yeah, you know, <clears throat> you'd have to think Tysonov has the edge in every aspect across the board, the wrestling, the striking, the power, um, experience. So, you know, I do definitely understand why people parlay Tysonov. I mean, I feel bad for the guy that he's stuck in Europe. I mean, I love to see him fight in Vegas against, like, a ranked guy, but he has visa issues. But uh, Felipe's no slouch, like you said. You know, he... he beat Shane Campbell up real bad, but like you said, man, Tysonov kicks hard, he punches hard, he sprawls hard, and I mean, he makes you feel everything. Now, I actually bet against Tysonov in his uh, last fight against Demir Hatsovich, and you know, it looked like it was going good up until the point of the KO, so I mean, 
if you fade this guy, you know what you're getting yourself into. You know that at any point, if this guy catches you, it could be over. But, you know, I, I kind of have my speculations about Tysonov. Maybe not for this fight, but in the future, you know, I feel like, you know, he is like 28, 29 years old. But Allegedly. I, I feel like he might be a little bit older than that in the fight, in the fight years. Allegedly. I mean, this guy's got like 40 fights. I mean, I, I want to see. I want to see. Uh, I think he'll get through this one. But in the future, don't be surprised if I fade uh, Tysonov again. But I do think he gets a vicious KO. I think it will be hairy. I think Felipe might even wobble him. I think it's going to get real hairy. And we might even see Tysonov resort to his wrestling for this fight. But I think Tysonov will get it done. I want to see a birth certificate. Now, next up, we got Abdul Kareem Edelov. He's minus 620. The comeback on Boyan Mihajlovic is plus 460. Now, this is a mismatch. And, you know, look, Boyan Mihajlovic, no disrespect. He stepped inside the cage. We haven't stepped inside the cage. But at the end of the day, he literally might be the worst fighter on the entire UFC roster. And the only reason he's still in the UFC is because they were thinking... Who else can we bring this guy in to lose to? They brought him in to lose to Francis Ngannou. They gave him a quote-unquote competitive matchup against uh, what's Christensen. against the Christensen jobber guy. And, you know, when you get knocked out by Joachim Christensen, is there anything else I need to say? Um, and the fact that they didn't cut him shows, who else can we give this guy? Who else I can mean, we feed this, this is, guy to? And Edelov's about to eat. Yeah, this is just, a, you know, trying to get Edelov a highlight. KO, highlight sub, um, Boyan has nothing, man, he's always on the defensive, he's always shelling up, he's up two weight classes too, he's up two weight classes, um, I mean, the guy, the guy's barely hanging on, he's the guy you bring in to make guys look good, so, Edelov, I agree with the line, minus 620, Edelov's gonna beat this guy, if it was even minus three something, I'd parlay it, put it in an open parlay, but, you know, it ain't, so, Edelov, first round submission. Yeah, and you go. You got first round submission. I'm gonna say first round knockout. Now another one with a very wide line, but I actually think it's a little bit closer. We got Zabit Magomed Sharapov. He's minus four forty five. The comeback on Mike Santiago is plus three fifty five. Now when Zabit was initially supposed to fight Hakran, we were all over. It. You know, Zabit was gonna be a very sharp play. And then Hakran pulled out, which he is known for. Nick Hine pulled up. Nick, Nick Hine stepped up. We were going to fade Nick Hine. But now Nick Hine pulled out, which he is also known for. <laughs> and now we got Mike Santiago stepping up. And we saw Mike Santiago last week on Dana White Tuesday Night Contender going out there and knocked out Mark Cherico in devastating fashion. And one thing about Zabit, a lot of people don't realize he's a six foot one featherweight. Now I understand this fight's being contested at 155, but the guy's a six foot one featherweight and he uses his height. When it's time to spin this guy will spin and he will put dudes down with with uh, spinning back kicks to the body this is just interesting because i don't really feel like i have a good read on mike santiago mike santiago i got a lot of respect for him and i'll tell you why he's a guy that he used to be a 500 fighter he used to be a jobber but somewhere along the way he bit down he put it all together now he's on an 11 fight win streak now he's got the chance to go out there in his ufc debut and not just beat zabit magomed sherpov but derail a, ser- a serious hype train I personally don't think he's going to do it. I have to go with the Russian here. I think that the size, the physicality, the technique is going to be too much, even though he's moving up a weight class for this one. I actually think it's good for him that you know he doesn't have to cut all that weight to make 45. Now he's going to be six foot one at 55. I think it's going to be a spinning back kick KO for, Mag- for Magomed Sherpov. Wow. See, you know, I felt way more comfortable fading, uh, fading uh Hakran and Nick Hine against this guy, but 
Against Santiago, I'm a little uh, worried. I think it's a tougher fight, to be honest, because, you know, I've heard guys like, you know, Ricardo Lamas say that Mike Santiago is the MVP of their training camps in every single fight. So the guy, he trains with high-level guys, and I think even though Sabit's 6'1 and he's longer, Mike Santiago is way more built. He's way more cocked. I mean, the guy had a six-pack, and he just looked shredded. And, you know, the way he beat, uh, what's his name, Cherico? The way he beat him, man, he was throwing vicious punches inside the clinch. And he put that guy out. He weared on him. He weared on him, and he just beat him down slowly. Now, I got to beat in the fight, but I am a little worried. I would not parlay him. I'd let him just win at minus 445 and, you know, move on to the future. Because Santiago, this could be like a, even though Yuri Alcantara was more experienced, but you remember Brian Kelleher was, uh, Brian Kelleher was, in a similar situation at Santiago, he used to be a jobber on the local scene. Then he went on this crazy little streak, and then he comes in there and beats Yuri Alcantara. It kind of has that similar feel, but uh, I'm going to take Zabit, but I would not parlay it. I wouldn't touch it. I'm not betting on Santiago because I do think Zabit's the the uh, better fighter, but I actually think it's going to be a tougher fight than people think. Now, next up, we got Alexander Rakic. He's minus 125. He's taking on Francie Marbajos, who's plus 105. Now, Alexander Rakic, he's actually got some K1 experience. The guy comes to strike. It's just occasionally he will do some dumb shit that will end him up on his back. But it, it kind of reminds me of that guy, Galore Bufondo. You know, he might not be as athletic or anything like that, but, you know, Bufondo was doing some things on the regional scene where he'd end up on his back. But when it came time to perform in the big show, he showed out, and I think that Alexander Rakic is going to do something similar here. We know Barossa, he's also Please. hanging on by a thread, and Please. you know he's <laughs> one of those guys. Somehow he weasels his way to these decisions, but uh, I don't think he's going to be able to do that here. I think that Rakic is going to catch him. I'm going to say body kick KO. Yeah, I mean, Rakic, like you said, K1 striker. I mean, vicious striker as well with the kicks in the hands, and he's like 6'5", or 6'4", 6'5", very long. And Bojozo, he's... um. He's like what we would like to refer to as a weasel. And, you know, people have uh, gotten on me for using this word, weasel. But, I mean, a weasel doesn't... A weasel means that it's just a way of edging out wins by not really winning in a lot of... Alejandro ways. Perez is Alejandro Sukumtut. Alejandro Perez is the perfect definition of a weasel. You know, he, he wins like the Albert Morales fight. He really didn't win that fight, but he somehow found a way to, you know get a draw or the Sukum touch fight for example even though I thought that fight could have went either way but I uh, an example like that but Hozo he'll avoid every possible exchange on the feet tie you up look to take you down just you know out position you and that's what he's going to try to do to uh Ratchet here but I think Ratchet will just touch him up on the feet really bad the reason why I can't bet on him is because on the local scene I did see him try to go for some flying arm bars and uh. triangles and and willingly and willingly go to his back instead of stuffing the takedowns, even though he came back and fucked those guys up. It's just uh, I don't want nothing to do with it. The pick is tragic, but when he wins the first round, K, uh, wins by first round KO, I'll probably regret it. <laughs> <laughs> and last but not least, we got Michelle Tractor Prezeris. He's minus three sixty. The comeback on Mads Burnell is plus three hundred. And man, you know I looked at Mads Burnell. He's got some decent jujitsu, but that's about it, man. You know on the feet, he doesn't have anything at all. And the guys he's been tapping out on the regional scene. There are jobbers as well, man. I think that this is just a bad matchup, wrong place, wrong time. Because Michelle Tractor Prezeris, he can neutralize the jujitsu attack of Mads Burnell. He's going to be a lot bigger. He's going to be a lot more physical. 
you never know. There could be an upset here, but I don't feel like Mads Burnell has the kind of stand-up to upset Michelle Prezeris. I think that he's going to get neutralized, and I got Michelle Prezeris either by submission or decision. Yeah, I mean, for one, Mads Burnell is a is a featherweight. He's moving up to 55 for this fight, and he's fighting a, a top 25 lightweight who is brutal. I mean, he's a bruiser, a Brazilian bruiser. And Burnell has no advantages in this fight. I actually understand why people uh, would parlay Prezeris. I mean, this should this should be easy money. But you never, you never know with these Brazilians. Sometimes they run out of gas, and sometimes... They're done, and we really don't know. But uh, I think Prezeris wins this fight in every aspect and gets a second-round finish. All right, well, you ready for some DraftKings advice? Yeah. Let's call up Big Marley for the Big Marley Minute. And joining us now on the Big Marley Minute is Big Marley himself, Kyle Marley. How's it going? Great, buddy. How you doing? Doing amazing, man. Uh, UFC is finally back. It is. Thank God. I know, for real. But you know what? Conor McGregor, he went out there and uh, he made a good showing for himself. He made a good account of himself, didn't he? Yeah, I agree. I thought it, uh, I thought it was going to look worse than it did, to tell you the truth. Uh, I was still hoping for the knockout. Just can't root for Floyd, but kind of surprised me. Yeah, man. Definitely. Now, let's talk about Rotterdam. So, dude, it's interesting because I like Des Green as an underdog. You know, he was plus 270 when I bet him. But from a DraftKings perspective, both him and Rustam, they're both super inactive. I would assume that neither of them score a lot of points, huh? Yeah, dude, you got that spot on, actually. Um, however, uh, Green is a big underdog, as he is on the betting odds. He's a big underdog in DraftKings as well. So if I had to pick a fighter in that fight, I'm going with Green. But I do like him to lose this fight. Uh, so it's kind of tough for me to put him in my lineups. But if I have to pick one of those guys, I'm picking Green because, like you said, Kavalov just does not score enough fights when he wins. Uh, and I, I think the the line's a little bit too wide, so I would uh, lean Green towards the odds and DraftKings values. So if I had to pick this fight, let's go Green. I hope you win that bet. Thank you. Another underdog I like is Boyan Velichkovich. And, you know, I'm not sure if he scores a lot of points either because, you know, he's more of a point fighter, and I know that you need knockdowns, you need a lot of takedowns, but... Kyle, I have a feeling in this fight he is going to score a lot of takedowns. I think he's actually going to go out there and expose the overhyped Darren Till and the area in specific. I mean, I think he can he can outstrike him too, but the area in specific I think that he's going to show is the takedown game. So you think I should be putting him in there too? Ooh, I mean, I, I don't like that take, but I also don't like him that much in this fight. I'm a, I'm a Till believer. Uh, and I'm not very impressed by Bojan. So I don't think I would mess with him at, at all in DraftKings. If I have 10 lineups, I probably won't have him in any. However, I don't think I'm going to have a whole lot of till either just because he's just too high priced for how much he scores. So I think I'm going to be avoiding this fight, but I am picking till to win it. Uh, he just doesn't have uh, the ground game I would like to see in DraftKings, so I'm probably going to avoid it. Since I picked two underdogs, that gives me room in my salary to go ahead and take two big favorites. And the two big favorites I'm thinking are the Russians, man. Abdul Karim Edelov, firstly, I think that his fight is a mismatch. I think he's going to get a first-round stoppage, whether it's a knockout, whether it's a submission. And also, Zabit Magomed Sharapov. Now, his fight, I don't think is as much of a mismatch. But with his style, he's definitely going to score a lot of points. The guy's a finisher. 
Actually, I think those are the two favorites I'm trying to fit in my lineups as well. Uh, I'm just having a problem finding the underdogs I like. But yeah, I've, uh, I did my film research on those two today, and I'm I'm pretty impressed. The only thing is that Edelov is the highest priced guy on here. We haven't seen him in two years. Uh, he never goes out of the first round, so what happens if it goes to the second or the third? That's what I'm worried about with him because he has to score the most points probably for him to win a tournament. So I would rather have the other guy if I'm choosing between the two. But, yeah, I think you're on the right track there. If I can fit both of them in my lineup, I like that a lot. You know what else is an interesting matchup? We got Andrew Holbrook versus Tebow Gowdy. And the reason I say it's interesting is because you can make an argument that Tebow Gowdy is the worst fighter on the UFC roster. Mm-hmm. And you can also make the argument that Andrew Holbrook has the worst chin on the UFC roster. However, that being said, when Andrew Holbrook uh, scrambles on the mat, um, you can tell that Chris Lytle is his coach. I mean, the dude is nasty with those scrambles. And he also has, you know, he's won in the UFC before, something that Tebow Gowdy cannot claim. So, I mean, should I put either guy on my team? Because, look, if Tebow wins the fight, he's going to catch... He's going to catch Andrew Holbrook, but if Holbrook wins, I would assume he's going to go out there and submit Tebow Gowdy. Yeah, man, I'm biased on this one because uh, Holbrook's from Indy. I'm from Indy. He trains with Lytle. Lytle's my boy. Um, so I'm picking Holbrook, but I just don't know if that's my bias kicking in or not. So I'm, I'm, I'm trying to avoid him in my team just because I don't want bias to get in the way. But I do think he wins this fight, and... If he wins, it's probably because it's going to the ground, and that's what you want in DraftKings. I could see him getting a submission. So he, he's probably going to make more lineups than I want him in. Uh, but he's just so high-priced at that 8800 on DraftKings when his opponent is priced at 7400 So I would say the value is probably on Gowdy, but I just can't have any Gowdy on my team. You know, I can't root for uh, him to win against my hometown boy. And, you know, I still have room to put another favorite in my lineup. And there's three guys. They're all knockout artists, but they all have very, very different challenges ahead of them. I'm talking about C.R. Bahadurzada, Merbek Taisumov, and Alexander Rakic. I think they all have potential to go out there and win via knockout. But they got different challenges ahead of them. You know, with Rakic, he's taken on one of those veterans in Bahos who, if you don't knock out Bahos, it's going to be the ugliest fight you've ever seen in your life. With Taisumov, he's going out there against a Brazilian banger in Felipe Silva, and either guy could get knocked out. And then for CR's fight, if Rob Wilkinson is to somehow win this fight, he's going to be getting takedowns on CR. So what's your opinion on the three knockout artists I mentioned? Uh, so yeah, my favorite one is the most expensive. I like Taisumov quite a bit. Um, so if I can't fit those other two favorites you were talking about on my lineup, then I'll definitely have Taisumov in there. Um, I'm really looking forward to that fight as well. So I don't have a problem if, if you can't find a stack in cash games that people like. I, I don't mind a stack in that fight, to tell you the truth. Tyson versus Silva, uh, I just think it'll be action-packed and it'll score a lot of points as a whole. Uh, but I do think Tyson wins, and I can see him finishing. So he's going to be in a, a good amount of my lineups. Um, Rakic, I, I was impressed on film. Uh, just the only problem is, it's, uh, he's going against a vet in Barroso, so I don't know how much of him I want. I, I have been putting him in lineups. I haven't had anything solid that I love yet as a lineup, but he's been in and out of them, so so I don't mind that move at all. But Sayer, I don't I don't think I like him as much because he's going to have to get the knockout score highly in this fight. 
Uh, the only thing you guys are going for you is he is only priced to 8300 So if he doesn't score too highly, it doesn't kill you there. But I'm almost rooting for him to lose because I would rather go in the wrestler and save some money and get uh, Wilkins, where's he, Wilkinson at 7900 because, like you said, if he wins, the wrestling is going to be involved, and that's what scores points. So if I have to pick that fight, I'm going with Wilkinson and DraftKings. The last two fights i got to ask you about. Obviously, Leon Edwards versus Brian Barberena. I mean, this guy Barberena, he's got a knack for going out there as the underdog. And, man, he's a workmanlike fighter. You start to gas out against this guy, and he'll put it on you in the second and third round. i got to ask you, first of all, was he a high scorer when he went out there and upset Worley Alves? Let me check on that real quick. Hold on. All right. Let's see. Against Alves, he did score 90 points. That's not bad. His uh, salary was 8600 but I think that was before the price change, so I'm not sure what that would amount to today. He had 90 points, though. That's still a lot of points. Um, and in his last fight against Proctor, he scored 114, and uh, that won pretty much whoever took him all the money. Uh, my problem is I haven't been picking him, and I have been picking Edwards, so I can't change my mind on this one. I'm going to have to go Edwards. My problem is he just probably won't score high enough to pay off his salary. Um, so I don't hate <clears throat> Barbarina, mainly in cash games, because I could see him getting maybe 30, 40 points in a loss. So cash games, I prefer Barbarina. Um, I don't think Edwards will be too highly owned, so I might take him in a GPP. But I'm probably going to avoid this fight overall. Last but not least, the main event, I mean, is – Alexander Volkov going to keep up this UFC win streak, or is Stefan Struve going to pull one out of pull one out of his back pocket here? I'm going Struve. Uh, I got a bet on Struve already. I have him in my lineup. I'm sure he's probably going to end up staying there. Um, but he's 7,800 on DraftKings. His opponent's 8,400. I got to save that money. I think Struve can get the finish, score a lot of points. That's my pick. Anything I left out? Anything flying under the radar? Nah, man, I think you hit it all. Uh, looking forward to this one. I don't think uh, a lot of people will be too sharp on all these debuting fighters, so I think there's a real edge to be had. Uh, if you do the work, you probably want some money. Yes, sir. That is the truth. Kyle Marley, thank you very much, my man. Uh, I think we're going to be on a roll here soon because we got UFC every single week for the foreseeable future. I know, man. I can't wait. That's what I like to do. Yes, sir. We'll follow this man at Big Marley 3. Kyle, thanks again for the time, and uh, we'll talk next week, man. Sounds good. Good luck this weekend. Yes, sir. Likewise. Well, there you have it, folks. Big Marley. That's why That's why he's the DraftKings guy chilling in the executive suite. We appreciate his advice. And now we got to talk about the fight to watch and the fighter to watch. So, Shaq, what is the fight to watch for UFC Rotterdam? The fight to watch is Darren Till versus Boyan uh, Velichovic. If Darren Till finishes uh, Boyan or even beats him. He's the real deal. Now he's a top 20 welterweight. Now he's going to move on to bigger and better things. This guy just signed a, a big new contract. I, if he wins this fight, he's going to have big plans for him in, uh, on the UK scene. But, you know, we'll see. You know, I, I'm betting against him, so uh, hopefully Boyan can go out here and get it done. If Boyan wins, I mean, he just pulled off another big upset. That would have been the Masoke upset until, you know, back-to-back. So that's the fight I'm looking forward to. Jamar, what is the fight to watch for UFC Rotterdam? The fight to watch definitely would be the Till and Velikovic. I couldn't agree more with Shaq at all. Um, I mean, if this if he beats Bojan, Darren Till will be a top 10 fighter in the uh, welterweight division. 
if Bojan wins, people will realize he's not someone to take be, to be taken lightly. I think he's not he's not someone to be taken lightly. I think Bojan will win, but it's definitely the fight to pay, to pay attention to. Now, my fight to watch is Leon Edwards versus Brian Barberena. You know, Brian Barberena is a guy that everyone counts out every single fight. I know that gamblers are starting to finally realize, you know, the value he brings to the table. I think cashing, you know, two plus four hundreds will do that, won't it, Shaq? But now he's taking on Leon Edwards, who's on an unbelievable streak. He's been beating guys such as Luke, guys such as Tumenov. And if he can go out there and beat Barberena, I mean, that's a third straight big win in a row. And on the opposite end, Barberena beating Leon Edwards, we're talking about a potential top 15 guy. So for that reason, Barberena versus Edwards is my fight to watch. Now, Shaq, who is your fighter to watch for UFC Rotterdam? Um, my fighter to watch is going to be Maribek Tysonov, man. Um, I want to see if he goes out there and handles business. And I, I want to see if he puts this guy away quick. Because, I mean, if he puts this guy away quick, you got to test this guy against a top 15 guy. I mean, we've been saying it for so long that we want to see him in there with the best in the world. So uh, I'm going to go with Maribek. I want to see if he gets this one. Jamar, who is the fighter to watch for UFC Rotterdam? That's kind of a tough one. It's it's definitely between either ba Brian Barberena and Stefan Struve. Stefan Struve, because one, of course, he is the main event fighter, but he's been a little flip-floppy in his last couple of fights. I want to see if he's if the real, original Stefan Struve is going to show up or the Stefan Struve after his, his uh, heart problem. Barbarena, on the other hand, he's, an, he's a fighter to pay attention to because he beat Sage Northcutt, he finished Sage Northcutt, then he beat Worley Alves by knockout. Let's see if he can keep this going. Leon Edwards surely isn't a slouch, but I got my money on Barbarena. Now, my fighter to watch, I actually got two fighters to watch. I'm going to go with Abdul Karim Edilov and Zabit Magomed Sharapov. I know they're the two biggest favorites on the card, but the reason that they're my fighters to watch is I want to see this up-and-coming Russian talent. You know, the Russians have always been some of the best fighters, the toughest warriors on planet Earth, and now we got a new stable of them coming into the UFC. And as I mentioned earlier... Zabit Magomed Sharapov, he's a six foot one featherweight. We don't often see featherweights that size. And when you factor in the, the toughness, when you factor in where he comes from, the history, the lineage of the Russian warriors. For that reason, he's one of your fighters to watch. And the same goes for Edlov. You know, for the two, 205 division, it's a very thin division. You know, they got rid of guys like Krilov, who we thought, you know, could potentially do big things. They need new talent, they need new faces. I think Edlov could be one of those guys. He is your fighter to watch. Well, gentlemen, we did it. UFC Rotterdam. It's going down this Saturday on UFC Fight Pass. It's going down this afternoon. It's not at night, so make sure you wake up early and watch it. Follow this man at MMA Genius 05. Follow Jamar the Rockstar Whitehead at ASVP underscore underscore Fuego. Follow me at Best Fight Picks. Go to bestfightpicks.com for the plays. Subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Stitcher. And until the next time, let's cash these bets.